Welcome to the Growth Guys Podcast, presented by KinderReeseCoaching.com. This is the number one podcast for real estate agents who are serious about growing their business. Get the strategies and tactics to grow your business fast while building the lifestyle you dream of. Now, sit back, buckle up, and get ready, because we're about to get real. The Growth Guys Podcast starts right now. What's up, everybody? It's Jeff Kiani, and we're excited for this episode of the Growth Guys podcast. This is another one of our Ask the Growth Guys live episodes where John Kitchens and myself do our best to answer any questions that anybody has and kind of just talk about what's been going on recently in our conversations with other agents. So sit back, relax, and we love these Ask the Growth Guys live episodes. We'll get started right now. Welcome back to the Growth Guys Podcast. So, oh, man, uh, I'm man. live on Facebook, dude, so we're good. We're, we're I'm podcasting. We're, we're, we're on point. So what's up? What's happening, everybody, man? This is a little Ask the Growth Guys Q&A, and, um, man, we thought it would be fun. It might, it might not be a good idea, but, hey, maybe it is, to uh, connect with you guys every, uh, every other Tuesday at about this time, give a little evening shout out um opportunity for everybody to uh kind of jump in and a little different time during the week guys have any questions anything that you want to dive into that's what we are here for um but also to get into other things i i can definitely say hold on i got an accountability um this is kind of important so i got an account you know got to have an accountability partner, right? So I've got an accountability little partner and um, I'm holding him super accountable to his commitments. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask him if he kept his commitments for today. Who's this? Where'd you, uh, where'd you? Uh, this is uh, Mr. Matt Hildorfer. Mr. Matt Hildorfer is a coaching client of ours. <clears throat> he has made a serious commitment. And um, what's speaking. the commitment? He's on a T T75. And so let me, let me just share his commitment with everybody. He is committed over 75 days to Now one is, is there's uh, two days, two times he has, he has to exercise twice every day. He has to read. Um, he has to share a progress pick. He has to drink a gallon of water and no alcohol for 75 days. Oh man. What the- <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, man, he's like, he's been on it, man. Game changer. He's 20, 25 or so days in. And I tell you what was, what was amazing. I hooked him up with, and if you guys are looking to, to track your habits, there's an app called strides. S-T-R-I-D-E-S, Strides. And I've been using it. I've been using it for, for a long time. And um, he was looking for something to, to track that, right? He's got five or six things that he's trying to keep track of. And you just go throughout the day and you just click it, like if you, if you kept it, so you can just kind of monitor. And, um, you know, he, uh, he got set up with it, man. He's doing amazing, man. I'm so proud of him. But, you know, we all need that accountability. So, Man, if I could suggest anything for anybody out there listening to this is that, you know, you find that accountability partner, but you also set a time to where that person's going to text you. Hey, where are you at? Did you keep that commitment? 
you do what you needed to do. And uh, man, so I, I set my alarm um, every day at like uh, 6.58 and I just shoot Matt a text at the end of the day. I said, hey, is the, is the streak in, intact? And uh, let's, see what, let's see what he says. He, he'll, he'll respond. He's an awesome dude. It's just like you were telling me uh, just a few minutes ago, man, post it. You know, I got my slow time. Like, I don't even want to post that. But, you know, it is. That's why I posted. I just, uh, I'm like, man, I I don't want there to be dry spell, you know, a big dry spell. Post Like it eeks, it irks on me. I don't, nobody's looking at him or anything. But for me, it's like, man, I just don't want to let that dry spell. It's ironic because while I was running um, just about 45 minutes ago in this, um, right before I left, Josie told me, oh, be careful. It's the, the heat index is 110. <laughs> so anyway. I, I don't think that matters. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little out there, but I mean, I don't think it matters. It doesn't, I mean, it's just like, I'm like. Hot is hot. I'm like, good. It's hot. Yeah. Push right. it. Yeah, it don't matter. I just, I think of it as though I'm going to get a better workout out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I, li- I was listening to uh, Influence. And uh, they were talking about commitments and he was telling the story about the example of, you know, people wanting to remain consistent to their commitments. And he tells the story of when he was in college, some stunning young lady, as he refers it, uh, knocks on his door. And there's this stunning young lady wearing shorts and kind of a provocative top. And she goes, I'm with such and such, and we're doing a survey on the entertainment habits of people in the neighborhood. Can I ask you a few questions? And of course, because he's taken aback by the young lady and wants to uh, make a favorable impression, he says, sure, absolutely. And he admits that he kind of embellished a little bit. So some of the questions were like, how often do you go out to dinner? He's like, oh, you know, three, maybe four times a week. Um, do you go out to like any of the local concerts? Oh, the symphonic stuff. I love that stuff, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And so he's really <laughs> embellishing on. And then, and, and then at the end, uh, you know, it's like, do you go to the movies? Oh, yes. I love the sophisticated movies with the words at the bottom that you have to read. <laughs> and and uh, then at the end, she goes, oh, wow, this is all fantastic. So actually, you'd be a great candidate for this membership that we have that saves you $1,200 a year based on all the things that you already just told me that you love to do. Oh. And he's like, boom, he knew it. He's like, oh, I just got hooked, you know. And, and what it is, and, and think that we use that all the time, right, in, in uh, sales and a lot of different other ways. But you get all those commitments, and she backed him in a corner. So now what was he? He had two choices. He could say, well, I was BSing, and I really don't ever go out to dinner, and I don't do all this stuff, but he didn't want to do that. Or he has to say that he's so stupid that he's going to waste $1,200 by not taking advantage of the thing. You know what I mean? And So it's a little off track, but when we talk about commitments, I actually thought as I was running – consistency really is what that you know six chapters and you got social proof you got consistency commitment all those different things that was one of the stories in the consistency and then commitment you know there have been tons and tons of studies that prove that a commitment that is written down number one and that is made public is where the power exists they talk about how um you know just a lot of different examples but really what it is is let's say you ask somebody to commit to that t175 and what happens is mentally it changes their impression of themselves. So now they picture themselves as the person that would be 
like living the lifestyle and following what would be necessary to meet this commitment. And then even if you were like, so um, the way this was really used is like talk about rewarding. So, you know, let's say that you want somebody to do something, but you hang a big reward out there. And in some cases it's proven that then you can pull away the reward and because they've changed their impression of themselves, whereas before the only reason I was doing this is because you were going to give me $100. All of a sudden at the end, you say, you know what, Jeff, I'm not giving you the $100. That the, the, the habit still remains because I've created in myself now the impression that I'm that person. And as soon as you pull that leg out for the $100, I've created six other legs mentally by making the commitment that it stands on its own anyhow you still have it you know you still have it and so the way it was being used is like if you want to uh change the change the way somebody is like you know if there's there was a robot in the room and you tell the kids not to touch the robot you can either get them to do it by punishing them right but then when you leave the room or something they're going to touch it right yeah or or you can somehow get them to think that it's wrong period, just, just to get them to think that it's wrong. And then they would never touch it even when you weren't around. And the way to get that result, a lot of the times isn't with reward. You need to get people to actually take responsibility for the commitment. And so when they become the person in their mind that is in line to that commitment, even when you move away the reward, I still have built other pillars for that to live on, right? I mean, I don't know, man, that's powerful, man. No, 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 no. It's way, it's way powerful because that's, that's so true. And what you're talking about is, is extrinsic, extrinsic rewards. And, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole carrot, right? And, and, you know, the carrot, the carrot only lasts so long, right? Because the only thing that you can do is you can just, you just have to keep making a bigger carrot, so what you're, what you're really looking for is more intrinsic, what's really driving them, helping them develop the habits because of understanding why they're doing and developing the things that they're doing. And it's not, it's not like, you know, we want to successfully make X number of phone calls a day or like for you, it's like, you know, like you have this push and, and there's an internal drive there. There's an internal motivation of why you're making this push every day, like you're hitting the runs, you're staying consistent. Like you ain't got no money on the line to, mm. to, to do that or not do it, but there's something in, in, intrinsic, internal, that's pushing you to do that. And so- like, like People would say I'm a runner. People now, because I post everything, like uh, Matt at our office goes, man, when I think of people that running, that run a lot, I think of you. So yeah. now that puts pressure on me. Like. Like, if I think that people think of me as a runner, then I need to act as though I'm a runner. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. And the only way for me to get, and, and assuming I want to be a runner, this same situation takes place a lot of times in situ- that you don't want to be also, exactly. right? Exactly. But assuming, but assuming I want to be a runner, then how can I get people to hold me in that, that boomerangs back to me and makes me want to be that. It's by making the public commitment, getting back to what we're talking about with Matt and the T75. If people think of me as the person that's doing, if Dan, Dan pause, dude. I mean, people think this guy, I mean, I think of a guy who worked out three or 407 days a year or something. So if he was to not go to the gym one day, think about 
like what he has built, he's built so much pressure on himself. I mean, he uh-huh. didn't mind. he's the person that his uh-huh. mind, he's the person that goes to the gym no matter what. If he got in a car wreck on his way to the gym, I bet you, and, and he broke his leg, he would still be like, oh, I gotta go to the gym before I can go to the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and 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 as long as you know, I mean, as long as Dan's doing it in 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 pursuit of something, right? What is the bigger picture? Um, and, and pushing himself beyond, you know, that, that, that day off or that forced day off could have such a negative impact. And so you just, we have to remember, you know, bigger, bigger picture of what, what, why, why we're, what gap we're trying to close by hitting that gym every day, hitting that run every day, hitting those calls every day, right. Doing those things that, necessarily i mean i can guarantee i can guarantee i can guarantee you dan Paz don't want to get his ass to the gym every day but he does it yeah <clears throat> yep and and i bet you man god forbid he did and somebody said hey i didn't see your thing about going to the gym today oh whole house of cards come couple it could, man it's it's a slippery slope right it's a slippery slope so you've got to know really internally what it is that you're driving for in the bigger in the bigger picture, man, it comes down to you know that internal motivation. You know, man, you better you better be loving it, right? That's the thing, man. Is like, do you just love it, right? Um, like for me, man, I don't I don't enjoy. Like I wanted to sleep in this morning. I mean, I really I really did, man. I was comfortable. It was nice sleeping next to laying next to Holly, and man, I didn't I didn't want to get up. And, you know, I just, I keep, I have, I have this, um, I have this constant saying in my head is that in this Muhammad Ali's quote is like, I hate it every early morning workout, but I love being world champ. And so like, for me, it's like, I hate getting up, but I love being an Ironman. That's my saying. I say that every morning. Right. And I know for me, why I want to be an Ironman is because I want my kids to say my dad's an Ironman. Right. I want, I mean, that, that's, that's the driving factor. Like I remember going through Ironman Texas and it was hard on that last third leg, third loop of the, of the, of the marathon. I knew I had it, but it was still hard, you know, pushing through. And I just kept saying, I just kept visualizing my son, my oldest son, Colton going, saying my dad's an Ironman. I kept picturing my daughter saying my dad's an Ironman. I kept picturing, you know, Zach saying, you know, my dad's an Ironman. I kept picturing Zane saying, my dad's an Ironman. And I just kept going. Like, no pain, no nothing. Like, I wasn't tired. I was, but when I was having that, that positive affirmation in, in those sayings and that internal motivation, it was amazing, man. I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, I think that's important. I think that's important for everybody, man, especially even in this business because it's hard. It's hard, man. It's hard in anything um, that is worth, is worth pursuing anything that's, that's, that's worth receiving back. It's so hard, man. And, and you've got to have that internal drive, that internal motivation and, and you know, reminding ourselves of what the hell we're pushing for. Right. Like I guarantee you, man, you're out there running for a reason. You ain't just running. (laughs) You nobody in their damn mind in fucking grapevine, Texas on August the 13th freaking in the in the in the heat of the day in the afternoon out running just because they just want to be out running yeah i feed something else it's like just part of the vision i have for myself as the i you know that's like i have 
and I and I don't enjoy the running. I enjoy the pushing through it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's a challenge. It's the fact that I know I'm going to hate it and that I don't want to do it. And then I go do it anyhow. Like that just makes me feel good, you know, and, and it's like um, a line, you know, I picture myself as a person who would be doing stuff outdoors and running is something that's easy to do. Let's face it. I don't get to the gym as much as I would like to Running is like, people go, how do you go run? I said, what are you talking about? It's the easiest thing in the world. I could go just head that way. <laughs> just take Dude, off. Like, I mean, think about it. I can put a pair of shoes on, a pair of socks. I got a pair of running shorts. I got it. I got, I got my little, uh, like we were talking about this morning. I got my little fanny pack that holds my water bottles, holds my phone. I got my, my headphones on. I got my sunglasses and I got my little sweatband deal and I'm out. I'm gone. That's it. You know, no gym membership required. Gone, (laughs) gone. And I just love, man, you know, here's the fun thing too. And, and, I think there's real power in this and we're, we're rambling here. So if you guys are tuning in or listening, I mean, if you, you know, you're listening to a recording, listen to this podcast later. I mean, if you've got any questions, hit us up. If you think we're just absolutely. And I'm going to take us in a direction here in a second. I want you to finish okay. your thought, but I'm going to take us off track here in a different direction. You know, here, here's one of the most powerful things that I love, especially about practicing um, more so the run and even more powerful, the, the swim disciplines of, of, you know, being, you know, training and um, looking to compete, you know, in Ironman. I'm not, hey, don't get me wrong. I ain't looking to compete in Ironman. I'm looking to finish in Ironman. That's like my objective is to cross the finish line. But the, the thing that is, um, that I, I think I love the most, and I got this from, you know, Ryan Holiday who um, is probably, he's my favorite author, you know, obstacle is the way, ego is the enemy. Um, He has, um, you know, the daily, the daily, he's got the daily stoic. Um, You know, he's got a handful of other books as well. But he talks about like why, you know, he, he, he runs and he swims a lot too. And it's, it's for the, um, it's for like the isolation. So think about it. Like even running, Jeff, even like when you're running and you don't listen to anything, right? No, no music, no nothing. You're forced to listen to your breathing. You're forced to listen to your thoughts. And even more so when you're in the water, right? Because in the water, you just hear the water. You hear your thoughts. You hear your breathing. Like you don't hear anything else. And there's tremendous power in that quietness. And it's, it's another form of, it's not meditation, but it's mindfulness. And it's, and it's getting you forced into listening to your thoughts. Um, I read a quote. So, you know, we did, um, we did the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find this real quick and, and read this to you. So we read, um, I read this to Kinder today. Um, it was a statistic from Apple and it talks about, um, and this is super, super powerful. Let me find it real quick. Okay, so here's, here's the statistics. And this came from Apple. Um, and, and this is, I mean, like this, this starts to explain a lot, right? So Apple reports that people unlock, unlock their iPhone an average of 80 times per day. 80 times. Now, a three year ago, this is three years ago, a study in 2016 
found that people touched, touched their iPhones 2,617 times per day. Okay. Why, why has distraction become a new default, right? That's, so that's what it's saying. So, so think about this. Let's, let's undo this. So 80, 80 times unlocked. Okay. It's crazy, but, but let's think about it. Let's, let's assume somebody's awake for 16 hours. That's five unlocks per hour. Just five. No, 16, this is not 16 hours. So you got you to do the math both ways. So that's only five unlocks per hour, right? You know, I mean, okay, there's one for, there's, there's one in the seven o'clock hour for me. It'd be one every 10 minutes, basically. One every 12 minutes. <clears throat> it's, it's crazy, but it's not that crazy. But here's the kicker. 2,617 touches. Touches. Yeah by 16 hours. Now, you know damn good and well ain't the average person up 16 hours, right? Touching their phone. Maybe close, but 2,617 divided by 16 equals 163 touches per hour. So how many is that? So that's like- Touches. Two a minute, two touch, a minute. Touch, move, touch. Yeah. That's like two times a minute, I think. But that is so, you know, I mean, imagine, like, I think about it when you see people, like, how, what do people do in restaurants back in the day? I mean, we were, there, you know, like, it's so hard to imagine what people were doing. Like, as soon as there's not stimulation in front of me, boom, people go to their phone, right? 100%. So they don't go to the person next to them. They don't communicate anymore in that medium. It's to the phone. You know what I mean? Yep. It's yep. crazy. <clears throat> it's crazy, man. And, um, you know, there's, uh, with, with this study, there was a, uh, there was a good, uh, there was a Mark, T Mark Twain quote. He said, uh, you know, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Mm. And so that would be my, that would be my, that would be my challenge to everybody, man. If you're, if you're hitting that five, touch box, 163, four touches per hour, you might want to pause and reflect and we need to think about something else. We need a touch meter app, dude. That would be badass. If we had an app that would show me like as a running count on my phone, how many times I touched it, that would be sweet. Dude, I can tell you, man, you know, Apple, you know, Apple has all that data. Oh, they do for darn sure. Like, serve up some more crap to Jeff. <laughs> he likes touching this spot. Let's hit him with something. Yeah, put an ad over there in the top right-hand corner. I mean, you know it is, man. You know, you know the analytics are there. You know the placement's there. You know it's critical. So crazy, so, man. Hey, All right, brother. Know, I know take a, where, where are we heading? Let's go in a different direction. And uh, let's talk about – so you called me up um, on Tuesday. No, actually, it was um, last week. Right before us hosting our uh, agent, the CEO event on Thursday and Friday, you called me up on, I think it was Wednesday, with one of our clients, Jacob Barn here on the line. And you guys were digging through some of the numbers that um, he's, he's working with when it comes to calling expireds and stuff, because he's got a third party ISA company. And so I just thought, you know, man, it'd be a good context to kind of talk through how that discussion came up on your end. And then uh, you guys calling me and kind of sharing what we, what, we talked about and what he's going to go track down to get a clearer picture of whether it's working or not. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great topic and it's real for a lot of people. What I, what I would, what I would suggest and and I want, I want everybody to get some context around um, making, making key hires. And we talked a lot about this at, um, at agent to agent to CEO last week. And, you know, if you're, if you're running a company that has more than five, five team members, um, you need to, you need to get your butt to agent to CEO. Next time, next time we have the event will probably be uh, Q1 of 2020. You got to get there. It is a game changer uh, for, for anybody in that position. It will shave light years off of uh, the growth of your organization by just, I mean, shit, Jeff. I mean, I mean, this is the dang, this is the dang book, right? The Bible. The Bible, right? And, yeah. and really this, I mean, you know, that's what we, we joke because that's what Kinder said when he first saw it. I, I, I built the book. I built the book before I sent it to him on purpose because I knew um, it was more than enough content. And like Jay is like constant process improvement. I was like, man, we ain't got time to process improve. We're going to go with this. But I knew that it would be like shock and awe when he saw it. And the only thing that he could say is like in Jay Kinder fashion, man, this is the Bible. <laughs> This is, the real, this is the real estate Bible. <laughs> but yeah. Jay Kinder fashion, it was funny as shit, man. I laugh. Um, I, and I, I, told, I told Holly immediately and she started laughing. But, um, but, it, but it really is. And we talked about, you know, it, it, it has everything in there. But the, the one thing that, talking from a hiring perspective, and, and it's always been our belief, and we can, you know, circumstance depending, you can kind of navigate a little bit. But Jeff, the the number one the number one thing, man, is you've got to get you've got to get a key dynamic administrative person that can get the low dollar value activities off of your plate. You have you have to you have to you have to do that, and they're almost like an executive assistant. I mean, that's how you have to look at them. To the fact of um, all, all any and all paperwork, returning phone calls, helping you navigate the calendar, um, additional little paperwork here and there follow-up phone calls to this, that, the other. Hey, I need you to run, grab, grab uh, lunch. Hey, I need you to run, grab the cleaners. Damn, I hate to ask you this, but I'm going to go on an appointment. I've got my kids here. Can you watch them for the next 30 minutes and I'll be right back? All of the above. It is that, I mean, it, it is that. And, and so you, once you get that in place, then it's, then it's I, I think there's some virtual options, Jeff, to outsource, to help create additional leverage along the way. Um, I think there's, I think there's some, some, some VA support that you can get in. And so I'm gonna give a little more context and then we'll apply it to, to Jacob's situation. And I think that in our experience, what we've, what we've seen, not only in our personal experience with the real estate companies, but also, you know, just, I mean, shit, man, I've, I mean, I don't know how many P&Ls and, and businesses, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. And this is the best situation is creating that VA support in whatever that is usually lacking in, in what you do and also lacking in that admin help. And most, most likely, most likely it's, it's transactional support, right? It's contract to close. 
It's getting somebody to handle once you go into escrow to close escrow, open escrow to close escrow is getting that outsourced because you can charge a per transaction to, to the client during the transaction to offset that expense. And so you, you offset that. The next thing that, I, that, that we've seen is being able to offset some additional calling the virtual ISA. Um, I would say about the same time you could do a, you could do a showing assistant, somebody that you can find that you can get to help you show properties. But no matter what you do virtually, as soon as you have the money, the core capital, the cash flow, you bring that shit in house. You bring it in house. And first and foremost, I would say you leave. If, if I said, man, you know, if you were to say, hey, hey, John, man, you've got, you've got a virtual contract to close. You've got a virtual ISA. You've got a virtual assistant, you know, um, you know, showing assistant that is doing just some, just some showing times, helping you go sit open houses, go, go, go sit in, I mean, inspections, going to do some things like that. Who do you bring in first, right? Man, you got this, you got this dynamic admin that's doing a lot of great things for you. They're kind of your executive assistant. Who do you bring in first? Dude, when cash is right, man, you bring that ISA in. I've seen, I mean, this is going to be my answer. 100% of the time you bring that ISA in because they, they, they can handle the communication, the follow-up, the, I mean, they can, the appointment prep, dude, they own your calendar more so than that executive assistant. And you might get to a point to where you outgrow that executive assistant. Well, and they create, they create opportunity and they create revenue, right? Whereas a lot of the other workload is servicing business. Not that that's not important, but man, I mean, if I'm going to pay that labor dollar, I want it to return in dividends and, and the ISA can generate new opportunity and bring an increase to the bottom line. It's hard for a transaction coordinator to affect the bottom line, right? I mean, unless somehow, it, the only way they can affect the bottom line is if, if they either get paid less or they get paid more yeah. and my margin or somehow increases, but they can't bring in you know, um, the same kind of effect on the bottom they, line. They, they, can offset, they can offset their, their salary mm-hmm. by, from, from vendor relationship management, but at the end of the day, it still doesn't matter because we need to be virtual with them per transaction until we're consistently closing enough to where we can bring it in. Now, right. it's like, well, you can leverage them to do other things. I, I, I get that. But, you, if, but if you have that key administrative assistant in place that's handling paperwork, that's handling your listing processing, that's getting the paperwork over to that contract to close – they can't impact it anymore, man. I just, I just, it's, it's not, it's, it's not worth it. I would rather, I'd rather you have a right hand and I would rather you have a full time ISA that is so dynamic that is doing really becomes your next executive assistant. And you probably end up getting rid of that one or transitioning that one into a listing coordinator. And then, you know, contract to close, man, leave. And, and I know Jay has a little bit different of opinion on this and I get it. I mean, it's, it's valid, but just in, just in my experience with it, brother, you've got to, you, you keep that outsource until you're consistently closing, man, because you don't want to make that salary commitment. I would rather have a salary commitment to a 
executive assistant that's keeping all the bullshit off my plate and somebody that's a dollar producing activity like an ISA in our definition of an ISA, not like ISA that you were like, you were freaking running shop for us in Dallas. That that's not the same ISA. Yeah. You want the same ISA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were doing, I mean, you know, the, the, the way that a solo agent, like we were bigger, man. I mean, how many partners? 12? How many buyer's agents? And how many, what, what, what you were running? What, eight, 12 ISAs? Mm-hmm. That's different, man. That's a different dynamic. That's specialized roles. I'm talking about the, you know, solo, solo Joe Realtor out there that's just cranking and getting it after it every day. They, they can't have an ISA that just their job description starts here and stops here. Like our ISAs, man, they did file prep, right? They did follow-up prep. They did, they did, they did everything. Follow-up prep meaning like they close out the file and take it to the listing coordinator. You know, they make sure that all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, everything's here. They're nurturing the relationship. They're making the phone call. Say, man, dude, that appointment with Jeff was crazy. You guys are on point. You got the price nailed in. We're ready to rock and roll. Looks like we're going to be going live next week. I'm going to be kicking you over to Carla and Carla's going to take it from here. She's going to handle all the, all the prep, all the listing. So it's just, it's, that's how we handled the ISA man. And um, they were the gatekeeper to our calendar. And so to me, making that dollar higher because they're the person, Jeff, they're the person that's not letting anything fall through the cracks. Yeah, definitely. And most agents, you know, like that solo agent that you're talking about, they don't have the the data to occupy eight hours a day because we had 12 agents and then buyer's agents and everybody was assigned a market service area. You could have 12 ISAs that have plenty of data to sit there and call for eight hours a day. But for most agents, there's not that deep of data set. So you tell somebody to get on the phones and call expired, call for sale by owners here, call my dad. Like, by lunch, they're like, what do you want me to do now? <laughs> and if you don't leverage them to create more efficiency, because there's that's thing, you're trading time for dollars. So it's I'm still making money if it means that I can do more high producing activity, right? So it, it's creating opportunities in other ways for sure. And so you don't just say, oh, we got no more to call. Just call the same old crap again or, you know, go home early or whatever. No, you leverage them to find efficiencies and opportunities so that you can focus on something else. Yeah. So, so think about this. Um, Like Lawton, for example, I mean, if you called every rooftop in Lawton, based upon the number of transactions, you're still less than 3% turnover. Dude, you can call, like, why would you, why would you call? I mean, you, you run out of data to call. Right. <clears throat> right. And you're calling data that, that people ain't even thinking about making a move. It's just a bad use of time. And so you've got to, you've got to create that leverage. I would say, I would say then to, to Jeff is that, you know, you get some marketing help immediately. Um, I, I, you know, and this is, so you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Dan, I mean, we can talk, let's, let's apply Jacob's situation here in a second, but um, we talked about Dan, right? And, and so Dan, 
Dan is like a freaking hunter, right? The dude is like the, the hunter. His whole business, his survival, his career, everything's been on hunting. And so Dan's, Dan's um, transformation right now is becoming a marketer. And that's what he's focused on. He's spending all of his time consuming marketing stuff. And I'm like, dude, you, I mean, you can close your eyes and make sales. I said, but 10 years from now, do you want to be making, do you want to be, you know, hunting, hunting and killing and making sales? Or do you want, you know, the food falling in your lap? I said, for that to happen, you got to become a marketer. I said, you've got the sales piece down. You know how to close. And so that's what his transformation, that's what he's focusing on. So let's apply this back to everything that we're talking about that whole spurred this whole conversation with Jacob. And by and, the way, I talked to Dan, I talked to Dan after, uh, you know, we, he sent me, Tucker sent me a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's his kind of ISA guy who's turned into a whole lot more now, full-fledged agent crushing it. But uh, I talked to Dan and that's what we talked about, this new little marketing tool. And he's, he's trying to find a way to leverage this slide dial thing to, to target neighborhoods um you know like just sold properties and stuff like that and so we we talked it through and yeah that's you know because he's like man the time efficiencies you know just imagine if so you know what what he was looking at that for is not just how many opportunities can it bring but can it bring any opportunities with me putting in less effort yep (laughs) that is true man he's he's putting in the effort um but if something happens and my fingers break or, or, you know, I can't lift that phone or crush it every day. Man, it all stops. So Yeah, buddy. Yeah, he's, he's looking for that. Yeah, go, so let's talk about Jacobs. So, you know, what, what led us to this whole, this whole conversation talking about this, how we, how we got on the phone was, um, you know, how, how are we allocating, you know, the dollars that Jacob's using to run his organization and applying to leverage and labor dollar, right? And so, I mean, you can talk a little bit further on this, but we were, we were really, you know, diving into that he's, he's got that key admin. He's got somebody that's young and hungry that's also making calls. That's really more of an, you know, like when you say, you know, you read, you know, inside sales predictability or from kind of, you know, your, you know, your understanding, you've got the segmented roles of sales development and the closer. She was kind of in that closing role. And so he was outsourcing dollars for, for SDR sales development. And you can only, I mean, like you burn through data, you can only have so much data, right? I mean, you can talk through this all day long. I mean, the challenge that we even had here in DFW, what (laughs) happens with data? So basically the picture looks like somebody who's paying a decent amount um, to a third party company to do this heavy outbound calling. And to to throw some numbers around, I think that um, this ISA team, first of all, they're offsite. They're not located anywhere close. Um, they were given, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 records or something like that. You know, just a data dump of all kinds of stuff. And they're supposed to get after it and then hand over warm opportunities back to this person who's kind of more of the closer role. And so the immediate problems are, I always think that if I can get somebody in my office or at the very least local in my area, I have an advantage because they can develop a much better 
connection. They can build rapport with the prospect just by recognizing certain landmarks and knowing the geography of the area and streets and stuff like that. Plus, inherently, by them being close to you, you have the option, um, you have the opportunity to share your experience with them as transactions close and as you go out on appointments and meet with people. And so then that ISA can regurgitate that. And matter of fact, I just heard John talking the other day, he met with a couple that lives not too far from there, just over here, or we just sold the property last month. They were so excited and we, we got them a new home and they're just in touch with the pulse of the organization much better than anybody far away. So I get an advantage, number one, if they're there close to me. And I can manage them. I can hear them. There's nothing like, hey, when people are making phone calls from a management perspective, you have to be able to hear what's being said on the phone. Like if, if you really want to affect and tweak that particular process, that's just how you have to do it. A third-party company, I can't hear what they're saying on the phone. You can send me call recordings, but how many of us are going to take the time each night to really be disciplined and listen to those call recordings? Is that the best use of my time? Or would I just like to be able to hear in the office what's going on throughout the day and understand the tempo? So, you know, those, and then what would it cost me to hire somebody on my own? If it's, if you're paying somebody, who's 3,000 miles away or 300 miles, three hours away, whatever it is, if you're paying somebody the same as what you could probably get somebody with the competitive pay in your market, then, you know, you probably have some decisions to make. And then, so then going deeper into that, we started, started asking questions about the metrics that were related to the dialing that this third-party company is doing. And uh, so what you don't have also when you're offsite is you don't really have like that hands-on, like, hey, man, let's resort the list. Let me look at what you were dialing. Um, you know, how do you think it's going? I mean, you just, you lose some bandwidth when it comes to that. And so some of the things that we talked about were little things like, man, you gave them 20,000 records. So I bet you, based on the contact rate, and how, I bet you they just started at record one. And right about now, they're probably on record 5,000. Well, what it, some of those records though are like brand new and right. higher priority. So why are we skipping those over? There's some, some in the last six months that we want to hit hard right now, but they're not going to get a number two phone call for how long? Because we're not thinking, Oh shit, let's be more strategic about how we segment the list. Are they calling the brand new stuff first? Or are they just running on a queue? Well, I don't think that they're calling the brand new stuff. So I'm like, you know, like the expireds and stuff that would have come in last week, those aren't getting any more attention this week. They're just kind of going robotically through a list. And that's unfortunately probably the biggest negative that you get when you're working with a third-party company doing heavy outbound dialing is they're just robotically going through a list. I'm telling you, that's what they're doing. They're not going, where's the opportunity? You know, I got a list of um, – 20,000 here, let me sort it by only people that have had zero calls, or let me sort it by people that were created in the last 90 days. I mean, they're just not taking a strategic approach when it comes to, uh, to dialing your list. So if you do have a third party, you got to start bringing it up to them and you need to set the tone and what the expectations are and you need to give them a workflow and what they need to, to be doing and you need to be tracking the numbers because again, if you're paying anywhere close to what it would cost you to get somebody in your area, then uh, you know most cases 
you'd probably say it's a better idea to get somebody in your area and then you can use them for all the other things like kitchens was just talking about you know doing a lot more than just sitting there dialing you know i'm on you know i mean it's just that 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 20,000 those 20,000 names somebody today probably sat there in for no other reason other than I'm supposed to make dials, right? And remember, like incentivize the right behavior. I'm paying that third-party company to do one thing, make dials, unfortunately, right? And so that means that that person today sat there and called a whole list of people that were from 2018, and maybe they made 800 dials today, but it never dawned on them that I'm calling people from 2018. So why don't I, for John, because I care so much for him, 3,000 miles away, yeah, right. You know, why don't I resort the list and really try to find some opportunity for John? Maybe I can get 500 leads that were created. Just in the call through month. it, man. Just call through it, man, because that's their job. That's their, they're getting paid to make dials. They're not getting paid to really create opportunity for you. They don't know you. They don't love you. Compensation drives behavior, right? <clears throat> so you have to look at, you have to look at how, how that's aligned and, and, and the behavior that it's going to, that it's going to drive. So it serves its purpose. Now, if I can get that for, a, you know, I mean, like what we ended up doing is changing what we provide as far as an ISA service now is not that outbound dialing. Cause I don't believe that I can generate in most cases, a good return for the agent doing it. So instead we just, changed and pointed that tool towards inbound leads where we know agents are paying no matter what. If yeah, somebody buddy. connects with that lead or not, they're paying three, five, seven, eight dollars a lead. Somebody needs to get a hold of that lead because your buyer's agent sure as hell ain't. They ain't calling it 10 times. And so that's where for a small amount that doesn't make a whole lot of sense from, from a business perspective, but it provides a lot of value and we get a chance to work with agents in a different capacity that way. But for a small amount, we can do that and, and then it works out well for the agent. So that's what we adjusted to doing. So we weren't that third party company who's just dialing and, and you know, gosh, I mean, an agent paying two grand a month to a company, say they do it for 90 days, they're six grand in, even if they get a deal in the first 90 days, they're underwater. Yeah. I mean, you know, our, our rule of thumb, even with ISA is calling warm traffic. I mean, is you're looking 120 days to even break even. And so, I mean, you're looking at that where they're calling cold traffic and you know, they're making, you're making that investment. It just, it doesn't, I mean, the cash conversion is so much longer and this is where a lot of people, you know, get tripped up is they, they miss that. Right. And I think too, man, another thing from, from a virtual aspect is that a lot of folks, you know, punt, punt the leadership responsibility of that, of that hire and, and of that functionality. And, you know, I think one of the things too, even we're learning as, as we're, we're working more virtual is that we got to communicate more, not less. And, you know, there's some, there's some tight parameters that you have to have in place. If not, I mean, it just, it won't, it won't work. So that, that would be, that would be key. A couple of key things there to see, um, to give you guys some, you know, the complete context and story behind that whole, you know, spurt, that whole conversation there talking about one of our uh, awesome uh, coaching members, uh, Jacob. Yeah. So he's going to go back and he's going to get more involved in the process now and so that you brought up a good point is i mean we've done it what we would do is we'd punt the management so whoever runs that call center i'm going to meet with that person and i'm going to assume that that person is going to take what i'm conveying and relay it to all those isa it ain't going to happen like that she, she don't even know what you're talking about 
You know what I mean? Or he don't, they, they don't, they don't live in your business. And as much as they might cater to a sp real estate agents or whatever, you know, they, they probably do not get it rest assured. And so you need, like, I would want to, I want to meet with my ISA personally. Here's how it would work. If I had to be involved is my ISA and myself are going to communicate directly. They're going to send me the reports and everything directly to me, an end of day report, just like we used to do. They're going to jump on until I get real comfortable with them every day. They're going to be jumping on a virtual call with me, or if not, they're going to record a video message to me. I mean, I'm going to make it so that they're like, you know, that, you know, I'm going to see them a lot and, and they're going to not feel disconnected by any means. Amen. I would have to Amen. do that. Cool. So what else we got? What are the questions you got in the hopper there? I don't got, I don't got nothing, man. I don't got nothing. I don't see anything in the comments. So. Cool, man. Well, we got to, we got to hang out. We got to ramble a little bit. We got to give uh, some context. So I think it's uh Man, I'm good. So, you know, for those of you guys watching in or listening to this, um, you know, I think it's one of the things that we're going to, you know, a little different time of the day, a little bit later in the day, but uh, it's kind of fun, man. Just come hang out. Love to uh, get a couple of, couple of guys on and uh, kind of chat a little bit with you and see if you, uh, anything that we guys can, can help you guys with. Yep. And uh, don't forget to go to kinderreescoaching.com if you're interested in learning more about our strategic business coaching. And the first thing to do is to, to set up a clarity call and one of our team members would, would give you a call and reach out to you if they haven't already. If you've, if you've uh, been there already, they might have reached out to you, but definitely somebody from our team would reach out to you to see what they can do to help. For sure. All right, Kitchens. Well, as always, man, I enjoyed it. Yeah. See you, uh, see you next time. Yes, sir. To find out how to build a seven-figure real estate business in three years or less, go to KinderReeseCoaching.com. You've been listening to the Growth Guys Podcast. If you want us to help you grow your real estate business, go to KinderReeseCoaching.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Growth Guys Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix to get new, fresh weekly episodes. Catch you next time on the Growth Guys Podcast.